Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has Kabir Kabir. Good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. Remembering we're the show that's getting you across the advantage line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. This is Rugby Reg, uh, back again in the hosting chair. Just fleetingly, you know, if I can't come back after the Reds are on a three-game winning streak, when would I come back? And can I just say, I am, if, if at the very least, happy to be back to rectify our intro there. I have heard Matt butcher it weeks in a row. There is the link between getting it across the hottest topics in Australian rugby and our five burning questions. There is a thematic link here, Matt, and you're missing it week on week. But uh, it's, it's good to have you with us tonight, mate. Well, that, that's why I'm the, the reserve, mate. That's, that's why I'm the backup, uh, the finisher there. You're the, but I, you're the I have, Nia, Varo. I am, except not the slimmed down version. Um, I, uh, but I, I have noticed how your work schedule has got a bit easier than the Reds have won. <laughs> And suddenly you're able to find a time for it. So uh, yeah, I, I, think, I, I think that's more, and I'm more willing to find a time tonight than, than historically. Um, and we've also got Hugh Cavill with us. Hugh, how are you, mate? You're, you're glad not to be meeting in those Fairfax offices. I know. It's it's a real relief for me, actually, just to be now in the confines of home. Although it's still bloody hot down here in Sydney, tell you what, Reg. It's about 30 degrees here. It's, um, it's yeah, still the, the Sunday hangover is still there, unfortunately. Well, it was a massive week, and it was you know pretty one of the more positive Super Rugby weeks uh, for Australians uh, for quite a while. So we'll, we'll get into that and some good hometown wins uh, for all of us, except for I guess the Rebels. But we'll talk about that. So we, we do have our five burning questions, and and thanks to Hughes input, they are particularly burning. They've got a well, we're keeping this theme going uh, throughout the throughout all five of them this weekend. So question one is what the hell happened in Sydney? Question two is, what the hell happened in Argentina? Question three is, who the hell is going to win the Aussie conference? Question four is, why the hell did Andy Fran get the sack? And question five, what the hell is going to happen this weekend? So, yes, you know, very original of us. And, and, and I know people complain about, about the swearing on our Green and Gold Rugby podcast and our, our colleagues over there at the other podcasts go uh, hell for leather. Hell's about the extreme of our swearing, so let's keep it nice and family-friendly. Um, lads, let's get into it. The Sydney guys, I want to hear you first and foremost. Uh, what the hell happened down in Sydney? That was a remarkable game. I was sitting there watching that first half thinking, well, this is going to be interesting either way. It's hard. You know, the Rebels are, can continue their stroll through the Australian Conference, but all of a sudden, that second half, things turned around. Matt, what was? I know you were there. What was your feel of it, I guess, during that first half? First half and, and how things turned around well uh yeah one of the reasons why hell was uh yeah, very appropriate because it was hot as oh, hell. Yeah. uh i mean i don't know if anyone doesn't know it was like 39 degrees um and it was absolutely roasting um there at the at the sfs look i i don't really know i, I haven't and i haven't heard many people say much i mean the, the tars have come out and sort of said oh well they were trying to do too much in the first half and um, they took their time a little bit more in the second half and, you know, they had a little bit more patience. That always seems to be a bit of a cliche to me. But something clicked because, look, at the end of the first half, I think most start TAR supporters who were there were just about ready to turn around and go home um, or, or at least back to the members, the, uh, <laughs> the air-conditioned members bar. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then this this third quarter, because it was, it was in quarters, well, they had 20-minute uh, stops yeah. because it was so hot. Um, in the third quarter, I mean, I think the Tars put on 31 points in 20 minutes. Um, it was quite unbelievable. And so something absolutely clicked. It looked like in the first half, you kind of thought, oh, this is the Rebels. They're going to, you know, they've got that extra gear. They can work at a higher pace. The Tars just can't keep up. I just don't know what happened, but the Tars just came out in the second half and it was, yeah, just completely different. They quite literally blew uh, the Rebels off the park. Um, you know, I thought what was things that kind of stood out, um, you know, that Falau working off the wing, uh, I think he's off the right wing, was really, really interesting. Suddenly, you know, these these high, we had a chaser and a chaser who had a chance of regathering uh, on, with, you know, with Falau for those high contestable kicks. And that was a tactic they worked, they used really, really well. And they, 
use that to get um, both uh, territory and possession. Um, the set piece looked good. Suddenly the Tars scrum could work. Uh, the Rebels line-out completely fell apart. I think they yeah. lost four line-out throws in a row at one stage in, in, in the second half. Um, and the Tars just, I don't know, they just absolutely flicked a switch. Um, I, I haven't heard anything out of the Rebels camp as to why they thought it went so wrong, but um, it was just, it was chalk and cheese, wasn't it, Rose? Yeah, it was. And here, I'd be interested in your perspective. I mean, I mean Matt touched it in there. I was, you know, the, the big talking point, well, there's a couple of big talking points, and all around player selection. So the, the Rebels picked a massive pack. You know, they had Coleman and Phillip in the, at, at, in the two row. They had Tamani, Ross Hale at Petty, and, and Murphy at number eight. So they effectively had four locks. Um, so they, they were really trying to bring that power game. But, you know, given that heat, was that a factor from a backfiring perspective? But the other question or, you know, point of view was uh, the selection of Falau on the wing. But, you know, perhaps more so Bryce Hegarty at fullback. So I heard Gibson say that they were, you know, they, they determined that the Rebels kicked more than anyone else in the competition. Um, and that was their way of countering that, you know, that to, to bring, obviously using Falau out wide with that crossfield kick, but also to have Hegarty as another playmaker standing at the back there. And, and to be fair, it... I reckon both those theories have a bit of a play there. They, they worked that back three combination for the cars, and it definitely looked like those big boppers for the Rebels sort of felt the impact of that hot weather. Well, I mean, because I, I tell you what, because we were having a conversation after the match, which was it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe the 75th minute or something, that there was a line-out directly in front of me, and I actually saw Adam Coleman. I was yeah, like, right. oh, oh, wow, he's actually on the field. Can you Do you remember seeing him do anything? Um, he was absolutely anonymous. I don't think I've ever seen him in a game um, where he's been as anonymous as that. Um, uh, that was quite remarkable. And then, and at the same time, um, look, apart from Simo, look, I know he scored a try, <laughs> but God, otherwise he had an absolute shocker, uh, in, especially in that first half. Although you know the rest of the Tars did as well. But like even um, Tom Staniforth. Uh, and I've had a couple of goes at him the last few weeks for like, you know, 20 runs for one metre or whatever it is. Um, I think he had 13 runs for 20 metres or something, and he was making some good hard yards. So all of a sudden in that sort of uh, third quarter, the Tars, you know, their, their pack was just looking, I don't know, it was finally that they had teeth, um, that they, were making, they, were, they were making yards. Uh, it just all of a sudden, you know, suddenly it, it, it had all clicked. Um, Hugh, what about from your perspective, mate? Uh, how did you see? Did you, anything you picked up that was the turnaround? It was just that minute, the try just before half time sort of gave that task some hope, but then also that try straight after half time um, you know, made, made it real. Well, yeah, put the wind in their sails, and, and the try before half time was a fluke. I yeah. mean, uh, Fichetti put in a nothing grubber that happened to bounce into Beal's hands and, and he passed it to Fitzpatrick who put Fichetti under the post. It was just one of those things that I think they just needed that bit of luck to go their way and, and it finally did. And, and after half time, it was so bizarre. I mean, I, I, I was sitting in a pub. I, I couldn't brave the conditions, unfortunately, because it was bloody hot. Um, but, um, I, I mean, at half time, I, I was disconsolate, you know, um, as a Waratahs fan, because I thought they just looked disorganised. They looked really horrible. Um, like, they had no idea what they were doing. And, and, and then after half-time, I, I don't know what changed. It was it was remarkable. And I, I put it down to a little bit of luck, a little bit of uh, uh, confidence after those those um, tries. And the, and the high kicking just was this tactic that all of a sudden started to pay dividends. And, and Falau started plucking them out of, out of the air and... and the Rebels couldn't really cope. They they struggled to slow the pace of the game. They started giving away penalties. They started giving the ball back to the Waratahs and, and try as Rob Simmons did to, to let them back in the game. Um, unfortunately, it was it was a bridge too far for them. So um, it, it was just one of the most bizarre halves of rugby I've seen because it's, it's put their season on track now. Would, would you say, I mean, that they're now... Back in the game in in the Aussie Conference, which which at halftime seemed like it was it was completely um, miles away. Yeah, it, it it really does, and we can talk about the Aussie Conference soon. The easy stuff is amazing. I mean, I, I know Hugh. I'm pretty sure you tweeted pre-game sort of tongue in cheek about the you know we'll, we'll, we might see the crossfield kick once and won't, it'll work and we won't see it again. And we saw it. I think it was after two minutes. You know, I I didn't think we would see it that quickly, but. It really did work. I mean, and it was, um, 
a real weapon. And, and the, the the Rebels got some great wingers. Um, obviously, uh, uh, Maddox is in fine form, and and then between Corabiti and, and Navuli, who uh, came off the, the bench there, I guess they lost Dane Halapetti there early, which was pretty significant. And I think rather oddly moved Hodge to fullback instead of perhaps putting Maddox there and bringing Navali straight on. But you know that's that's the call they made. But um, it was a it was one of those tactical moves that, regardless of everyone knowing it was going to happen, it, it worked. I mean, it was it was just ridiculous the, the the amount. I mean, he under the high ball this year. We've seen him a lot, and I don't know why we've never we, we've seen him a lot um, on the sort of cross kicks and catching defensive high balls, but we've never really seen him running through and catching, you know, attacking high balls like he has this year and. Try scored against the Stormers um, mm. in round one was was phenomenal, and I've never really seen anything like it. And he does it again here. The, the way he can, you know, go up for a high ball, catch it, and then come down, you know, and not break stride. I mean, I don't think people realise how difficult that is to do. No other player in world rugby can do it, and yet he does it with a consistency that's just alarming. It's it's um, you know, if Foley can get that right, then. You know, not only does he take them in the air, but for for one of the Waratahs' later tries, he smashed Reese Hodge, put him behind the gain line, and the Waratahs um, rucked over and took the turnover and scored. You know, almost from that phase. So, I mean, it it just shows you that um, <laughs> being upfront about kicking to Izzy, I mean, it doesn't doesn't really backfire because the Rebels knew it was coming, but they had they they could do nothing to prepare. And, and speaking of kicking, and you you also mentioned Foley, so he slotted nine out of ten. Um, so I think that one kick that bounced off the post um, cost him a New South Wales record in a, in a match. Um, but then someone said to me that that kick he missed, is that the only one he's missed this season so far? I think that's right. I think that's right, yeah. I mean, that's amazing, um, you know, for his kicking record. But we we all know it'll, it'll wobble off track at come Wallaby time uh, in, a, in a crunch match. But, um, look, I, I thought Foley looked really, you know, Especially, you know, in the in the in the whole of the match, um, you know, it looked really uh, really accomplished. Um, you know, Beal was kind of doing what he does, is making something from nothing, including a try, the first Rebels try, as he chested it yeah. <laughs> from the the most unsympathetic pass I've ever seen <laughs> um, uh, from Falau straight into Beal's chest. That was a bizarre but, but can, segment of play. Can we just talk about that? Wasn't it? I mean, that just felt like it was almost the Jaguars or Haguaris again. It was. It was yeah. just helter skelter, just a shambolic start for the Waratahs, and it just—it was like, you know, the same things happening over all over again. But you know, to their credit, they they righted things and, and turned things around. But geez, that was a bizarre start. Yeah, I mean, they they they're kind of leaking points like that, but then seem to be able to just create almost create points at will. Um, mm. You know, the 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 the, the attack is yeah, just get, you know, really seems to pick up. I mean, what about those two tries from Nairo? Yeah, um, yeah, and especially the second one when he when he bounced whoever the winger was or whoever you know I can't remember if it was a winger or not, but then and then uh, Reese Hodge, that's right, yeah, and then and then basically you know gave. Um, the other, the winger, uh, oh, what's his name again? Sefa, Super Sefa. But yeah, gave Naivala, just gave him a bit of a don't argue and then strolled in. He, at the ground, uh, you wouldn't know this, Hugh, you weren't there. I think you whipped out, um, from what <laughs> I just heard, but, um, Naivoro is looking a lot trimmer than I've ever seen him, actually. Yeah, right. And, and he, had, and he had a bit of pace there down, down that wing. Um, actually at the ground, there was a, there was a, a, a few people there, like, I didn't quite appreciate how tall, uh, Rona is. He's a he's a big unit, um, uh, so anyway, so hopefully, and hopefully he can kind of you know find his place in the tar back uh, tar back line. Um, but I guess there was a few things. I mean, you got to talk about the other side of things. Um, Reese Hodge looked really out of sorts. He's always been a real kind of cool cucumber. I mean, I guess it was thirty nine degrees and he was his team was getting shellacking, but he basically he lost his cool um, in that match, which I, I kind of I hadn't seen before really actually. Um, and then if you had that argument, uh, you know, I think there was somebody in the comments after the last podcast um, wanted to correct me and telling me that actually um, that Jack Debrasini was a better fly half than uh, than Foley. <laughs> and Foley, that, yeah. Yeah, and then Reese Hodge was um, clearly a better twelve than than um, Beal, which is, and I kind of rest my case um, after the weekend. Um, but I think Debrasini again, that was MIA. Um, 
And, you know, if, if you're going to be a kicking fly half, then, you know, that's the sort of game you'd need to be able to take control of. And, and he just couldn't and uh, didn't see anything else, really. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Rebels would have to go home and scratch their head on that one because I just can't believe how, much, how, how completely that game turned around. Yeah. Matt, one of the questions you, you mentioned there, well, there's a couple of plays. I mean, I think Amanaki uh, Murphy was still sensational for the Rebels and scored that try, great try. But the guy you mentioned there, Narraboro, uh, two tries from the bench, massive impact. And, and really, you know, the Tars had probably claimed by the time he came on, but really just made it sure that it was no way back for the Rebels. Is that his role? You know, is he just the impact player from the bench? It, you know, or, or should they be trying to get more out of him as a starter? No, I think so. I mean, look, we had a bit of a laugh, I think, and I can't remember if it was on the last podcast or not, but Jamie Miller was sort oh, of saying, was. you know... Yeah, Jamie he's... And Arthur, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, he's got one thing he can do, right? Um, yeah. and, and I thought he did it really well on the weekend. Um, you know, when you need somebody to come on, especially when, you know, you've got tired bodies and whatever else, but we've also seen that if it's in a very tactical or strategic game, um, it, it, it can go to custard. So I don't know. I struggle to see how he isn't that player, but and yeah. that's a. I think as Jamie was saying, that's a lot to carry these days. Um, the luxury of just a finishing winger who can't do, you know, like you know, when I say finishing, like a reserve winger who can't cover anywhere else and has got some and, massive gaps. <laughs> yeah, you only want him to play. You'd, like you wouldn't want him to come on in the, you know, before half time or even probably before, um, you know, much before three quarter time. And could you ever imagine him having to stand in at centre or something like that? I mean, my God. Yeah, yeah. Can, can we talk Rob Simmons? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What, the, yes. the try-scorer? Try-scoring hero. Um, <laughs> honestly, I mean, he's been a something of a punching bag in Australian rugby for a little while, but he doesn't help himself. I mean, that was a shocking game, just appalling. And, you know, it was things like, you know, not only dropping the ball cold in the opposition 22, which he did once, giving away a stupid penalty from the lineup, which he did once, in front of the kicker from the kickoff by about five metres. Like, where's your brain? And then, of course, that comical sort of passage of play where he <laughs> dropped the ball and then kicked it behind, it kicked it 15 metres behind, picked it up again and then lost it again. You know, lost it, had it turned over. Like what? I mean, uh, then Mister Mister Key tackle on Amanaki. Like, just it was a the performance of someone who had had a significantly large bet on the opposition to win the game. Um, I can't put it any other way. Um, and I'm not alleging anything because obviously Rob's a man of integrity. But it, it, I mean, you got to wonder at what point does the coach bring the hook out? And I, and I think it, fortunately for him, um, his second row counterpart Ned Hannigan went down with a concussion, I think. So that um, that sort of saved him. But sure, I mean, I, it's a remarkable fall from grace from someone who two years ago was, was um, starting, or a little bit over two years ago, was starting for us in a World Cup final. It's um, I, I just don't understand. Yeah, look, there's not much more to add there, unfortunately. It wasn't a happy game, and it hasn't been a happy season for him. You know, injuries, dumb penalties, like you say, it's... It's probably what most Waratah fans um, felt might happen. You know, they expected the worst when they when the signing was announced. I feel bad for him. You know, he's, he's uh, been around for a long time, but there's limitations to his game, and they're very apparent at the moment. Yeah, the, the, our marquee signing. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, all right, we're going to move away from the Waratahs and onto the Reds, guys, and, and, and Buenos Aires and the, the win, 18-7 to the, the Reds over there. After uh, um, I, I think they scored an early penalty, but uh, conceded an early try and were down. But that was a remarkable performance by the Reds. And full credit to you guys. You, you raved about them last week for the win over the Bulls, but this was probably uh, well, definitely was a step up from that, don't you think, Matt? This was a, a remarkable win. Yeah, I think um, yeah we saw a number of things sort of come together in the Reds game, and I guess they're, they're slowly kind of zeroing in on you know what it is that they're looking for, and and or. It's becoming clearer, I think, to the, us watching and through their performances as, of what Thorne has looked to build. Um, what started out as some just like dumb penalties and and you know, like slash red cards has actually slowly turned into or morphed into what's looking like a good hard edge on a pack um, yeah. who can you know really 
really muscle up but then, and work and just work, you know, really, really hard. I, I would imagine that, you know, Thorne has said, look, you know, what does any Kiwi team, any Kiwi team have at its very core? And that'll be a pack that can work incredibly hard, um, you know, and is with a really solid edge. And I guess he'll also know if he's got any hope of taking any points of any Kiwi teams that, you're going to have to knock them backwards, and 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 that's what they've absolutely he's absolutely drilled into them. And and to be fair though, that has always been the sign of the best Wallaby sides. Uh, you know, is that and and best Wallaby performances. Think, you know, in the World Cup against Wales on that try line. You know, down to thirteen mm-hmm. men or whatever we were, right? And that's what you saw this weekend. I mean, the the, the how long did they keep the Jaguars? Um, Hag- <laughs> what did what we did, call uh, the Jaguars in English? Oh, Hagwawis, James Slipper, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the Hagwawis or whatever they are. Um, yeah, like it seemed, it seemed to go on for about fifteen minutes in the beginning of the second half, where the Jags were, you know, were absolutely smashing the Reds line, and they just kept knocking them back and knocking them back and knocking them back. Um, and then there was that try, which is. You know, um, which the new winger scored. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was, was absolutely fantastic. And look, mm. beautiful, beautiful draw and pass, um, and a nice mm. run there from the number eight to set it all up, but actually started two plays earlier, um, as they'd soaked up all that, um, all that play. I think they got a turnover. I think they went to the corner. They, um, I think, and then, you know, managed to kind of, uh, roll up field a little bit and boom, it was just amazing. Um, so look, uh, <laughs> If, from my perspective, and I know Reg, you, you, both you and I had a bit of a crack at Thorn uh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago when it looked like a shambles. But maybe you can start to see what's coming. Yeah, and that's that was more my drive for coming on the podcast because uh, I, you know, I absolutely I, I did not see anything. You know, that three weeks ago that Rebels game, and there's a lot of people happy to make excuses for him, but I, I wasn't. But what I've seen the last three weeks has, has got me, you know, eating humble pie or, or whatever it is, because it, it really is quite, um, I guess, as much as anything, enlightening as a Reds fan to see us winning. But more so than anything, and this is all we've cried out for, at least I know I have for the last three or four years, is just a little bit of heart, just a little bit of intent, and you can't deny that's what we're seeing now. And clearly what Brad does um, is he knows how to work his players and get the best out of them. Um, because what he is getting out of some of these players is quite remarkable. That's those stats you talked about there, Matt, in, in terms of that second half. So that the Jags had, I think, um, what about seventy percent possession and eighty percent territory in that second half, um, and we were just unrelenting in, in, in pushing them back. And you know, guys like uh, Angus Scott Young, the twenty-year-old playing his first or starting his first Super Rugby game, played the, the, the eighty minutes and was fantastic. But you know, the impact of the bench of these guys, Liam Wright, who I think just played 20 minutes, uh, made 11 tackles. Uh, Hamish Stewart, who played the whole second half, uh, um, made uh, 12 tackles. Duncan Paua, who's only on for less than 20 minutes, made you know 10 tackles. It was just um, quite an astonishing sort of performance across the park, um, just from intent. And it was just it's about attitude. And we've always said, you know, 90% of defence is attitude. And the Reds just seem to have their attitude right at the moment. And whether it be, you know, being led by Lance at Tino, who I thought was fantastic in that first half, a couple of ropey passes. Um, but, you know, he, he's playing exceptionally. Aidan Toe is playing as well as we've ever seen. You know, he's a real critical part of that back line. He's chiming in well and setting up play and his, his little boots working to to, to um, great effect. Um, you know, Karebi's playing great at 12. Pawea Sortier's excellent at 13. Um, you know, if, if there's a couple of disappointments, it's, it will probably the, the standout is Edo Nabuli. He doesn't quite look turned on at the moment. He's still crabbing sideways where you'd think that big 190 centimetre, 110 kilogram frame might, with a bit of speed behind it, might want to just go forward. But um, he, he's a little bit disappointing. Hopefully soon enough we'll have Isaiah Parisi back. But across the park, the performances are, are exceptional and it was just about attitude to win over there in Argentina, um, uh, you know, missing the players we are, we're still missing some some key players, Higginbotham and Luke Antui and and the likes of that, and um, Michael Hunt, who we might talk about soon. But it, it was an exceptional performance. So, it, it, you know, to me, the attitude of the players is the most obvious there. Um, Hugh, from your perspective, what were your, I guess, observations, takeaways? 
Well, it, it was just a gutsy defensive effort, yeah. wasn't it? And 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 an attack that was pretty well drilled in the basics. The set piece was good. Um, you know, that try to do do Dugunu. Uh, sorry, I've done come, a real rugby on, red pronunciation there. Get your pronunciations <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that was that, but that was a really nice display of of good basic rugby. That actually, if someone threw a cutout ball or tried to do too much there, that try wouldn't have been scored. It was just really nice. And Caleb Timu looks like a um, a real goer, doesn't he? Um, yep. I was really impressed with his performance that game. Um, and yeah, look, I think the Reds probably could have been a little bit better at closing that game out. I think they probably yeah. let let the Hagawares have too much of a sniff in that last twenty minutes. But um, you know, they, they were. It, and it just shows you they're such a hot and cold team that the Hagawas aren't they? Um, they, you know, they came out and looked like the Harlem Globetrotters against the Waratahs, but against the Reds, some of those handling errors were just abysmal. And yet, yeah, forced by good defensive pressure. Um, but um, yeah, the, uh, the Reds, you feel like they're they're just playing at their absolute limit at the moment, don't you? And and they're going to be made to work for it next week, considering they're, they're now somewhere uh, in the UK, I think, as the oh, slightly unconventional yeah. way of getting to South Africa. But, um, yep. you know, you, you, you can't fault their um, their effort. And with a little bit of polish and a little bit of, um, you know, ex- experience and some class players coming into that side, potentially, um, you, you feel like they could, they, they've got a shot. And, yeah, it might lead us into our next question, but um, you know, Reg, do you dare to dream at this point? Um, oh, mate, uh, look, I, I I don't know. It's hard. I, this tour was the defining one for me. I mean, it's hard to say defining. It's early on, but you know, a couple of good performances at home are you know uh, are pleasing. But it's how they go on the road, and particularly these tough tours. Um, and it's fair to say they've probably already surpassed my expectations by by winning this game. Like you say, that the next one next week will be. You know, is, has been made even harder by the fact of being caught up um, uh, in, I think, trying to get into South Africa and have to go via the UK now. So, mm. um, but I, uh, I, I, could you allow me to, to draw a parallel to the 2011 season where we, I think we, our first three games were a couple of uninspiring wins, one versus the Force. Uh, I can't quite... Might have been the force in the first round by a, a point or so. We were walloped by the Waratahs in round two, so I put that as the equivalent to the Rebels in round one this year. Third game was a, a you know an impressive but hard-fought win over the Brumbies, um, and then we went away. And then we played a couple of South Africans that I can't remember who they were. They might have been the Sharks and the Stormers, but we won both games away, and that's what turned that season around. We came back after that. And smashed, you know, the rebels and the cheaters, and then a Bulls game at home, and, and that's what started momentum. So these tours, depending on where they are in the season, are are really season defining. So I'm not going to talk about finals. I think we're well entitled to talk about conference champions, and and from there anything happens. But I, this is a, this is a make or break tour, and you know, you compare it to a team like the Rebels who have not left the comforts of their you know country at the moment and, and have got a one of the cruisiest draws imaginable early on um i think between um the uh, the tars and you know their ak tour the the brumbies beating um the south africans last week and then us beating the jaguars you're seeing you know the aussie conference stepping up for once and it's it's exciting to see well, just before we get into that, though, just before we move yep. off to the, from the Reds game, there were two incidents in there that I thought had real shapes on the game. I mean, one was that disallowed try um, by the the ref. Is it Paul Williams? Yeah. Uh, the Kiwi yeah. ref. When yeah. I could not, like, how was, I still don't understand. Yeah, that was he, bizarre. What he even ruled there, like how it was, an, I guess he was saying it was a knock-on, but like for all money, I mean, look, at the end of the day, Reds won by more than a try. But the bit that was important about that was I I was flabbergasted. 63rd minute, um, penalty direct in front yep. when it was 18-7. That was the yeah, dumbest decision I have ever seen. And more yep. alarming than that was how it got made. It was yep. like the, no one seemed to know who was making the decision. And I think it was Rodder. The, the 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 lock kind of walked up and seemed to throw his two cents in that they should go to yep. the corner. I was yep. absolutely I, I, that actually out of anything in that whole match, it'd probably be the only thing I'd be filthy about if I was, uh, you know, anyone in the leadership because that was just that was a no brainer. 
every day of the week you take those three points. And God, if if, if the game had slipped away because of that, then um, yeah. Anyway, but it didn't. But I was just gobsmacked. But you're right. I mean, that game should have been lost. And probably any Reds team of the last previous years would have lost that. But the Jaguars blew that game. You know, and they, they opted for the line a couple of times instead of taking shots as well. But the amount yeah. of ball they dropped, the amount of penalties they gave away, that dodgy decision by Paul Williams, who I thought had a pretty damn good game, to be honest. But uh, they they lost that game. And like I said on Twitter, I'm happy to put that down to the Reds' pressure. But, um, you know, there's an opportunity for the Jags and they blew it. Um, so, so let's move us on to question number three, and we can start broader. We've talked about the Waratahs uh, and the Rebels a little bit. We've talked about the Reds, and we should mention the Brumbies, who also had a win in the weekend and uh, beating the Sharks at home 24-17. So let's talk about the Aussie Conference, where it's shaping at the moment. And let me pull up my... Um, oh, I've got something somewhere. But Rebels are obviously still on top um, on 15. I think the, reckon, the Reds uh, second, the Tars third. Uh, Brumbies fourth and the uh, the Sunwolves Moon Doggies last. So, what's your feeling, Hugh? I mean, it's early days, but how have your opinions changed the last couple of weeks? Where do you think this is heading? <laughs> it's it's the most open Australian conference I can remember, Rich. I don't know if yeah. you can um, think back where all four teams conceivably have a um, have a claim. Um, and you know, we haven't spoken about the Brumbies yet, but they chalked up a, an ugly win that was. You know, nonetheless keeps them in the hunt in the, in the conference. And now they're on two wins as well. And, and, you know, given that they've got David Pocock to come back, um, they look like they could be just bubbling, bubbling below the surface there. And that, you know, I'd, I'd suggest they're a long shot. And, you know, I, I come back to, to that half of rugby put forward by the Waratahs and, I think their season depends on looking at that Rebels game. Are they going to be the first half Tars or the second half Tars? Because if if they're second half Tars, they win the conference. But if they're the first half Tars, then they probably come last. Um, and you know the Rebels, it's it's you're looking at whether they can bounce back from that. I, I think if I if I'm reading through the tea leaves at the moment, if I had to put a tip down. I think I'm probably tipping the Waratahs just because I think they've got that class there. And, and as much as last week I pointed out the flaws in their forward pack and how that is a problem, I think if they can keep, you know, kicking to Israel Folau like they did against Melbourne in that second half, then, you know, you probably don't need the forward pack and actually the light, the um, mobility in that pack becomes an asset. Um, if you're playing it fast and loose and, and kicking to, to, um, to Folau. So, I don't know though. I think you'd wait pretty evenly, and probably you know the rebels have got a chance. But I just think as the season goes on, the challenge of pulling two teams together like that is going to become harder and harder. And I'm still not convinced that they're quite there as and quite have the class to win the conference. But God, it's it's isn't it wonderful to be in this position where where fans of all four teams have have reason to feel optimistic. It's brilliant, and you're right. It's it's bloody unique. It's it's it feels very very strange. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually I, I'm not as convinced by the Waratahs as yet. I, I you know I still look at their team, and I, I you know obviously they've got some great class there in Foley, Falau, Beal, and Hooper, and they're they're so critical to it. And I guess we see how Kepu comes back. He can form the fifth part of that sort of access. Um, and, and, and Dempsey to come back too, because I, you know, I still think they need those meter runners and Dempsey will be crucial there. Um, I'm, I'm just not too sure. I, I think the Rebels are still the favourites. They'd be my favourites. They've got a dream draw. I mean, they've, you know, this weekend when they finally, um, play, have, oh, they play the Sharks this weekend, don't they? But they're, they're home to the Sharks and they're home to the Hurricanes after that. You know, I just don't know when their next, their first sort of time is they have to travel out of the country. It must be, I think they must have a bye after that, and then they're finally stepping foot on a plane somewhere. That yeah, that's when they play the Jags um, in that fourteenth of April. Well, I think the Jags are at home. Said, oh, and then they're, oh, you're right, they are at home. Yeah, gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so, so what? They just they got the Bulls away and the Stormers away. Yep. I think that's that's how yep. they finish it off. So there's probably going to be a slow back end, but. Um, yeah, I mean, if they can pick up those um, three home games, that's um, that's that's amazing. Yeah, and the Reds, obviously, I'll, I'll support. And, you know, you can say about defence winning competitions, but 
you need to be able to score some points. We need to be able to pick a bonus point up somewhere along the way. And, and you know, we seem to be a fair way from that. I know leading into the last round, we were bottom of the ladder in terms of tries scored and two more on the weekend. I can't imagine us jumping over anyone. Um, you know, happy as Larry am with the wins, but um, it'd be nice to be able to put on four tries in a game at some stage. Yeah, well, I mean, you, that was the thing about this whole... Um, you know, this whole setup is that with the Waratahs scoring six tries and not getting a bonus point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on, on the weekend, look, it's it's really hard to pick. Um, look, I, I love what the Reds have got in their unit. In, you know, the, the core unit they've got there, which is based around the scrum and and some really solid defence and a abrasive forward pack. Um, you wonder whether. <sighs> I mean, it can get you a long way. Um, I, I struggle. Well, at the end of the day, all they have to do is get to the to the top of this uh, top of our our comp, I guess. I do think though that the, the number of points that the Rebels have managed to stuff in their pockets with those yeah. bonus points straight off, and then as you said, there, Reg, you know, a dream draw. Um, you really you kind of think they've got the numbers working for them now. Um, with the Waratahs, I just kind of think, oh my god, look, you know, can someone who you know. Really, like, where's the second row? I mean, yeah, th- yeah. Th- 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 there's no, there's no engine room to that, and I just think once you get, um, you know, like a Kiwi team all over you, smashing you backwards, um, all of a sudden, I don't think the, our backs are going to look nearly as, as 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 swish as they have done. I think the Brumbies are totally toothless um, as as we've seen so far. Um, so look, you know, I guess my pick's got to be the Sunwolves. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but um, you, you're right, Matt. I mean, the, the calm before the storm is waiting until that first Kiwi team comes in, because I mean, you know, we, we've we've you'd, you'd suggest that most of the teams have have done what would have you you would expect them in some respects, um, beating South African teams in at home, um, and pinching a, an away win in Argentina or in Japan. Um, but <laughs> New Zealand teams are a different kettle of fish. And we saw, I mean, the Bulls ran the ran the uh, Chiefs pretty well, Reg. I've got to say. Um, yeah. I think that form line might hold up a little bit better than what we might think, but um, still, it's going to come down to a handful of games against Kiwi opposition, and 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 who knows, who knows um, how that's going to come out. And and um, yeah, I mean, Matt chose to avoid making a real prediction and instead just pot all of ours. But I mean, that's nothing new. So can I ask? I'll ask you guys a question. And this is on, on the back of some of this news today. So that it's been announced that Carmichael Hunt's been fined, I think, ten grand will serve a four-match suspension, which he, retrospectively, so he's already served it. So he's effectively free to play this weekend. He won't, obviously won't be flying over to South Africa, although if he leaves now, he'll probably beat the rest of the team there. Um, and the Reds have to buy the following weekend. So there's two weeks we won't see him. Queensland Premier Rugby starts this weekend. You'd hope to think that he'll be turning out for, I think, Brothers as his club um, for his first ever club game. Uh, him, does he become a factor in this? You know, I guess it's... What, what we know of Brad, which is not much, um, it's only what we've sort of gleaned from the media. One, do you think you'd pick him? And two, would he be a positive impact to that Reds team, at least from an attacking perspective? Well, I think it's it, well, it's tricky, isn't it? Because um, him having been caught in possession so many times, you can't have him as a second playmaker. <laughs> uh, 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 but I, uh, I, 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 who wants me to steal that one? From <laughs> credit to uh, Waratah Jesus for that one. Um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, but um, oh, look, actually, it's a. I, I fa- look. I don't know uh, if I'm getting myself tied up in legal knots by saying anything here. I find it quite bizarre. We've got to hear um, yeah. that this is a thing that can happen. Uh, if you know, if but I mean, I I, I guess the, the charges weren't proven. Um, yeah, and so well, legally, he wasn't charged. That's the thing. Well, wasn't well. There you go. The charge. Didn't, the charges didn't stick. I mean, the, well, ultimately, the charge was the charges were proven, and the charges were possession of a prescription. Um, painkiller, I believe, I, I, a Xanax-style sort of yeah. uh, painkiller, yeah. and then a, a failure to obey an order from a police officer, some, some, something um, similar to that. So you kind of, you know, based on what happened there, the ARU had a real, would have had a really tough time actually, you know, kicking him out of the game because fundamentally that 
that charge wouldn't fit the crime, even with his record, uh, I suspect. And and there's some conspiracy theories on the forum that, that you know, they, they couldn't afford to pay out his contract and, in fact, are sort of hoping he takes – he requests a release to go to France. But, um, it, yeah, it, it would have been a big call, I think, even though there were some in the media that were clamouring for him to be booted. I mean – I don't know. I think it's still he still probably deserves one more chance. But bringing it to the rugby, Reg, I mean, the thing about Hunt is, it, it, you know, you go back to June last year when we played against Fiji, that, that trial game, and he looked every bit the Wallaby 12, didn't he? I mean, he yeah. had the heart defense. He had the playmaking skill. Um, and, you, you know, it, it's hard to know the internal camp dynamics in the Queensland camp and whether he is respected or he is, a you know, some yeah. of a... The device. It seems to be that he's a respected figure. He was given the vice captaincy and these sort of things. Yeah. But, uh, yeah I don't know. It'll be fascinating to see what Brad Thorne does. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's what it'll come down to. It'll be uh, his exactly his standing within the um, within the club. Whether they decided to choose him on, um, I don't know where he would fit. You know, the Reds are playing rugby league at the moment. Big Bop is making meters. A couple sort of throw it at the back every now and again to go wide. Um, so he might fit in that really well. So it, it, we've got Isaiah Parisi, who has to fit in that team. He would come in for Nabuli, you'd think. I don't know where Hunt would fix, but it's a, it's a fascinating watch and a, a nice little sort of secondary thing to look at with these Reds. Yeah, I, w- um, I would have thought that what they'll do there is like, you know, you, you, you know, uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty or, you know, he wasn't proven anything. Yeah. So then you've got to put him in the squad. Um, and I think he does bring what Thorne's looking for, which is, you know, somebody he'll put his, you know, uh, put his body in the line, he can can defend and all the rest of it. But then probably what you're looking at is not renewing contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, fascinating. Well, look, I don't know if we gave you an answer, maybe the Rebels there overall, but we're going to move forward. Uh, the next one to Sevens questions, and one, probably one of the biggest news stories to come in Sevens for a little while, is uh, Andy Friend, the men's coach. And the men's have been vastly improved this year, obviously winning in Sydney, but even beyond that, playing much better Sevens. Um, you talk about someone who's getting the best out of this play, as you, you've seen the development, Hugh, and you'll have a comment on this. You know, Jesse Parahai, Lewis Holland, John Porch, even Chunky Stadard, um, they're all playing as well as they ever have um, and friends, whether he's been sacked or his contract just hasn't been renewed, I think that's more it. But even bigger than that is Tim Walsh, who uh, resigned, announced his resignation from the Australian women's team coaching position, will be the men's coach um, as of, I think, from July onwards. Um, pretty staggering call there, Hugh. What's your read on that? It's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, it is. you know, if, if you'd have told me um, six months ago that, that Andy Friend had, had get the boot at the end of his contract, I wouldn't have been too surprised, I think. No. It's fair to say that their results were fairly underwhelming. But they turned a corner earlier this year and, and you know, strung together a, a couple of really good results, um, capped off by the win in Sydney, which was, you know, they they beat the uh, Kiwis, they beat the Box, they, they basically showed up everyone and were clearly the best side. It was really a, a dominating performance. Now, you know, you wonder if the die had been cast before then because Tim Walsh had yeah. you know, laid his intention to resign from the women's team. And, and you know, I, I question his honesty in that decision then if it had been stitched up because I seem to be at the time it was talking about spending more time with his young family. Uh, correct me if I'm right. I could be wrong. I'm speaking off the top of my head. Um, yeah. and, and I know Tim's been on this podcast before. Um, but... Something, something about it rubs me the wrong way, if, if I'm honest, Reg. And, and Andy Friend, look, you know, they're talking about keeping him in the setup. And so if he, if he, you know, moves to a prem or he is, you know, more of an advisor capacity up, you know, he, but he didn't seem to be particularly happy with the, with the decision. And I, I don't blame him. And I don't think he's an outstanding sevens coach. And I think he could have done more to um, bring through more talented players into that team. Um, but, um, yeah, the way it's been handled just leaves leaves a weird taste in the mouth. I don't know. It's a good point about um, Walsh. I forgot about that. I think um, about that statement. He did make that statement, and you know he's going from the the women who have I think must have five international series to the men who have at least double that. So um, he's going to be away a lot more for a lot longer. Um, but I completely acknowledge his challenge. You know he's achieved all he can with the women, 
he's had pretty much it'll be a challenge for him. He's had carte blanche, you know, he's been able to run his own program and pick his own players literally from pretty much anywhere. Um, he won't get that with with the men, and that'll be a fascinating. He's always said that um, he's noticed the difference between coaching the men and women, and and that's probably why he's doing it. He, he's looking for that challenge, um, but it. Uh, it's an interesting change. I guess it leads to who will take up that women's management. I suspect it might be Scott Bowen or John Manetti, who's been involved with the program as well. But um, it's definitely shaken things up a bit. And I, oh gosh, I think they uh, it must wrap. The men will have Hong Kong, and then the Commonwealth Games, and that might be it, unless there's another tournament in there quickly. But uh, it's it's uh, it's it's a shame for friends because I think that that's, that Aussie team was starting to look pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I, I, the only thing you can say is that clearly this this was a decision that had been made, you know, you know whatever it was, four or five months ago, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I think um, Walsh had been on a, a promise for a while, probably ever since he took the gold. And at that time, the men's team looked like an absolute basket case. It wasn't a hard decision to make. And then, um, you know, friend, you know, Andy Friends managed to do a <laughs> he's managed to do a Western Force. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and, and put in a last ditch stand, which has been great. But, you know, I think the decision had already been made. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see how that plays out, um, uh, in the ensuing months. Um, look, our last question is obviously what the hell is happening this weekend. So we'll have a look at round a week six. It is, um, and run through those games quickly and get your expectations, lads. So Friday afternoon, Crusaders versus Bulls. So not the local derby, but still. The Crusaders there, Bulls on the last leg of their tour. That should be a tough one for them. But then that night, the Rebels again home against the Sharks. Um, Matt, what's your thoughts on this? Can the Rebels bounce back? Yeah, and I think they should. I mean, and the Sharks were bloody abysmal against against the Brumbies. Yeah. Um, I mean, we didn't talk about that game, but, you know, sum it up in one is that the Sharks were abysmal, the Brumbies slightly better. Um, so, yeah, I see no reason why the Rebels shouldn't be bouncing back on that one and um, I don't think it'll be easy, but um, they sh- yeah, I don't think the Sharks showed a lot at all from what we've seen of them so far. No, what about you, Hugh? I think the Rebels bounce back. The sh- Matt's pretty right. The Sharks are pretty one-dimensional. Yeah, they are. But uh, I mean, I-, I hate to you know do this every week, um, and it can be a bit tedious. But it is a big week for the Rebels. <laughs> um, I said that last week, and I think I probably said it the week before. But that, I mean, this is this is a win they need to chalk, and if they don't, then all of a sudden they find themselves. Almost back on the bottom of the Aussie conference, and it you know you feel like oh no you know maybe those old days are haven't you know aren't too far behind us. In fact, we're still in them. Um, and the Sharks are a team they should dispose of. And at home, you feel like they're going to have a crowd after their recent sort of good uh, spell of form. So yeah, you've you've got to. Um, I mean, I'll tip them, but honestly, the you know anything anything. Um, is possible with with a South African team these days. They tour pretty well, so I'm I'm not ready to rule them out yet. All right, uh, yeah, I'll stick with the Rebels, but uh, I think he's pretty bang on there. It's Saturday, no Aussies on Saturday, lads. We've got the Sunwolves hosting the Chiefs and the Hurricanes chasing the uh, hosting the Highlanders. Yeah, obligatory, um, fantastic New Zealand derby, uh, and then late Sunday, uh, early Sunday morning, late Saturday night, the Storm is hosting the Reds, and look. To, to that, a big chunk of that will be, um, you know, when the Reds arrive, I guess, and, and their preparations, how they're impacted. I, I suspect Brad Thorne, Brad Thorne will use that. He'll like that sort of um, uh, challenge and uh, for the for the lads. I think Scott Higginbotham is due to come back, whether he plays. You can only imagine he would he's over there. But uh, do you think, do you give the Reds any chance there, Matt? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm just having a look at the form streak here, and the Stormers are only two from five. Um, yep. uh, so, you know, um, yeah. What, look, it, it would be an amazing win. Uh, yeah. I think it's, you know, with and with all the travel they're doing, I, I wouldn't be putting my money on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm saying there's a chance. I, <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Um, <laughs> what about you, Hugh? Do you, you give the Reds a chance? Oh, not really. Um, yeah. I, I just think this might be a bridge too far for them. And, and I think, like we say on these road trips, occasionally, you know, you'll get one good game and probably one, yeah. one. you know, I think one good game is about par, and I think they've hit that. And it, it wouldn't surprise me to see them put in a spirited 60 minutes. But the way that that travel's got to add up, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they fell away late. I would have thought they'd yeah. be enacted even if they'd stayed in Argentina after that match. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Imagine then 
and that's the thing. You see the players on social media. They had to pack up quickly. They got on a plane. I think they had plans to get away early so they could, you know, spend as much time in South Africa as possible. And then they spent most of that time in a departure lounge. Um, so what, what happened with that, Reg? Can you talk us through that situation? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. So there's uh, apparently um, uh, a is uh, a vaccination issue. So Sansa obviously um, issues. Uh, uh, medical advice about travelling between countries, but there seems to be a gap in um, what was advised, or not a gap, just an absence of uh, advice to um, the Reds about South Africa requiring a specific vaccination um, to anyone coming from South America, um, and none of the Reds seem to have that vaccination. So I don't know how they get around it now just coming via London. I mean, they're still coming from South America, but I assume they've They've got some sort of reasoning around this, but it's um, it's uh, it's a bit of a debacle in terms of um, you know preparation for the game. So we'll we'll see how they see see how they um, they bounce back. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be a tough one for the Reds. I, I'll find it hard to tip them, but um, you know, in the end, it is it is only the Stormers. Um, and then the last round game of the round is um, the Jaguars hosting someone. I've lost that, but that's all right. Um, so that's it. A good week. Super, Super W is on again this weekend. Uh, New South Wales women who are undefeated are hosting the Brumbies women who um, got a good spanking by the, the Queenslanders last week, um, while Queensland host the Melbourne Rebels women. Um, so you'd think both New South Wales and Queensland should have fairly healthy wins there. New South Wales women are undefeated, doing particularly well at the moment. Um, lads, I've got to wrap up because I've got other things to do. Um, <laughs> rudely sorry, but... Uh, anything else you wanna you wanna bring up, guys? This week of rugby, I thought we were going to get into an extensive argument about Spain against Belgium and oh. the refereeing <laughs> controversy uh, yeah. in that and game. I, to, I mean, I wanted to go minute by minute Ireland England, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, congratulations big... to Ireland. Yeah, I know. All right, I can leave you guys to it if you like. Do I <laughs> get to say hello to our Belgium listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they'd be expecting it. Um. Yes. Yeah, so. Um, Bonjour. Um, they've got about five languages. I'm googling. I'm googling <laughs> furiously, and I can't actually find a Flemish. What hello is in Flemish? But um, yeah. hello. I think, <laughs> Red, Red, uh, I think I think Reg is about to hang up on you. <laughs> um, yeah, we would love to cover all that. Go to the egg chasers. I think they cover the Belgian, um, the Spain, Romania debacle with the the referee and all that in pretty close detail. But um, to, uh, to Matt and Hugh, thanks for your time again, lads, and thanks for having me on. Probably just a cameo. I'm heading into Commonwealth Games mode, so... Unless, unless the Reds beat the Stormers, I'll, and then we'll I'll see you next week. Then I'll see you next week, exactly right. <laughs> to all our listeners, yeah. thanks again. Good luck, Reg. Good week. luck. I'm glad you got selected in the team. Good luck. <laughs> thanks, mate. <laughs> see you later, everyone. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a beer.